I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm in this Welcome world back to 32 fans in 32 days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me as always is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? I'm so excited to be done with this after tonight. Not, no offense to the four people we have left, but like, it's been such a slog. I really don't know how we physically did 32 of these last year. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, re- it really makes no sense. Like, I, I was on vacation in Florida, so it was easy to like get away from the in-laws and record like three in a night. But still, 32 of them, and you edited 32 of them. It's insane. Yeah, and this year we uh, we only had to do eight podcasts because we uh, well, it's really thirty one of them. Yeah, it's thirty one because we still haven't spoken to the Redskins guy. Yeah, that's he's true. He's still being boycotted. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have the NFC South, our final division today, and uh, we have some good guests talk NFC South. Uh, before we do that, should we just uh, mention one more time the thirty two fans pick'em pool? Pick'em pool, yeah, yeah. So go to tinyurl.com slash thirty two fans pool. That that'll take you to the ESPN login for a uh, for a pick'em league. The password is thirty two fans, and it'll just be we're not. This is not against the spread. It's just picking winners and losers each week. Uh, the only wrinkle is it's going to be head to head. So if you go eleven and five in a week, but your opponent that week goes twelve and four, you get an L. And if you go eight and eight and your opponent goes six and ten, you get a W. And um, and then we'll have playoffs, etc. We'll figure out exactly the details of how the playoffs is going to work. I think once we figure out how many people total are. In yeah. the, in we the just league. need an even number. It doesn't matter how many. Yeah. <laughs> So if we're at an even number and you become the odd guy, if you're number 25, make sure you find a friend, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And not two friends, unless one of them at 27 is going to find another friend. All right. Stop being an And so on and so forth. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's jump right into the NFC South. We have uh, four great guests here to talk uh, NFC South today. Yeah. Great guests. Uh, uh, Three of them returning guests from from last fall. Returning champions. Uh, Yeah. Last year, we had all four of these teams in the bottom half of our power rankings. Mm Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Nailed it. Spo- well, three of the four are back in the bottom half again this year. Yeah, baby. Uh, one, one of them is not, obviously. Uh, so we'll, we'll start out. We'll start. We have a Gavin Napier here to uh, talk to us about the Atlanta Falcons. Gavin, you are also a writer for Beale Street Bears, the uh, Grizzly site. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me on again. Enjoyed it last year. Looking forward to this year. Here to talk Bucks, we have Kyle Appleyard, returning champ, uh, co-host of Word of the Bay podcast. Which is, uh, I think, uh, Bucks, Rays, and Lightning. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, pretty pretty yeah. much Bucks, Rays, and Lightning. Yeah. Any mutiny yep. talk or no? No, no mutiny talk. Occasionally, okay. we'll, we'll throw in some rowdies talk, but that's about it. Okay. All right, then uh, here to uh, back again as he was last year, uh, Andrew Juge of the uh, Saints Nation blog. Hey guys, how's it going? 
pretty good. And um, and then the the newcomer we have, although he did help us in our uh, 32 fans mock draft in April, but he wasn't on the podcast last year. That's Tony Dunn from Carolina Cat Chronicles is here to talk Panthers. So, Tony, welcome to the podcast. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Did Tony pick the right player for the Panthers in April? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, are, we, are we recapping the draft right now? Is that what we're doing? Okay, so let, let's hop right in, and uh, we'll start at the uh, bottom of the standings last year. Oh boy. That's the uh, and actually I, I do notice I have them ranked twenty four in my power rankings, just a couple spots behind their division mates. Although I do I do not pick them to finish in last place, even though I have them lowest in my power rankings. I don't really know what kind of sense that, that makes. Make any but sense, anyways, no. yeah. Uh, well, maybe they have an easier schedule. Uh, Kyle, we're gonna t- start with you, and we're gonna talk Bucks. Fair enough. You know, I think Jameis Winston is is in the direction of of becoming a uh, a star quarterback. So I'm gonna skip uh, right to the backfield behind him. Uh, Pro Football Focus's number one rated running back in the NFL last year was Doug Martin. Do you yeah. know who number two was? Uh, Charles Sims. Charles Sims, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you have you have a couple of great guys in the backfield. Obviously, you have a talented wide receiver, a great quarterback. To me, the biggest problem in this offense seems to be the offensive line, the left side especially. You have, like, Donovan Smith, who is not an NFL left tackle. Donovan Smith consistently embarrassed. Well, he's one of those guys who looks terrible on film. But he somehow gets the job done when when it comes to game time. I, I like I, I, he's 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 an enigma. I, I don't know that this guy like he, yeah yeah. <laughs> so what are they doing to uh, improve their offensive line? Well, they went out and got J.R. Sweezy this offseason, who's starting the 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 season on the physically unable to perform list. So a lot of good that really did us. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean. <clears throat> Not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, you went out and got Caleb Beninock in the draft, uh, and they're kind of they're kind of standing pat with the guys that they had last year. Ali Marpet was good for him, but now he's he's been walking around in a boot the last few weeks. And uh, yeah, like you said, Donovan Smith not really uh, turning heads. Uh, you have uh, Demar Dotson, who was recently resigned, who's probably the best offensive lineman in that group. That being said, I mean that's yeah. I mean you hit the nail on the head right there. Offensive line is going to be the biggest weakness for the the Bucks this year. Luckily, luckily uh, we have a quarterback in Jameis Winston who uh, is able to get the ball out quickly. That's you know one of, that's one of the facets of his game. I mean he's able to he's able to uh, make the offensive line look a lot better than it really is. And I think that's that's why some of the offensive line got a lot of credit last year is because Winston made them look better than they actually are. Uh, you think about two rookies on the offensive line. You're like, well, how the hell did they get that job done? Well, yeah, it's probably the guy that's up behind center for you. Yeah, you're right. He really does have the ability to sort of extend plays sort of in a Ben – actually, I was about to say Ben Roethlisberger. Now that I think about it, he's got a lot uh, in common with Ben Roethlisberger oh, on and soon. off the field, actually. Too yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, but we won't we won't get into that. I'd... You know, so I, I think a lot of people are expecting Mike Evans to really break out this year. Uh, I'm shocked. Like I, I was looking at the depth chart before uh, doing research, and uh, like I, I forgot that Vincent Jackson was even on the team. Like I've done all these fantasy drafts, his name doesn't even come up. Probably in a 20 team league, his name won't come up. Right, Akiva, he was drafted in my league. You got to get out of your eight person. Well, I have no. I'm in, I'm actually doing a 20 20 team draft right after this. Um, oh yeah, that's true. He will uh, definitely so go. I'll let you know where he goes. But anyway, the point is, if Jackson, who's now 33 years old, is on the decline, who could be a second or even a third if Jackson's okay this year target for Jameis in this offense? You know, funny thing about Vincent Jackson is I listen to the uh, – I think – doesn't every team have those those local radio post-game shows where they kind of go yeah. on the radio? Yeah. But yeah. can I tell you how weird, how strange I am? What's so that? If, like, I'm a Jets fan, if the Jets ever win a big game or even if there's, like, a really horrific playoff loss like the Vikings – 
you know, Blair, Blair Walsh lost to the Seahawks last year. Like, you turn on, I guess, through the internet, like the Minnesota radio station when they're, like, crying. <laughs> and, like, listen to the first ten calls. I don't know. That just made me think of it. But that's actually a fun thing to do if you're into Scheidenfreude. Or oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I should check that out. <laughs> I, that's, I never thought about that. I, I do like going on, like, the, the uh, opposite team's Twitter account and being like, ah, hey, look at all this salt. Yeah, but Akiva, that would require the Bucks to win a playoff game. So yeah, that's true. We well, you can do the regular since... season also. I mean, I don't, does Tampa Bay have, like, you know, talk radio? I guess they do. <laughs> we have talk radio, yeah. It's not good talk radio, but it's talk radio. God damn it. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Vincent Jackson's an old man, and, and it feels weird me saying that now being 29. I'm almost his age, and, and you know, to say he's an old man would be to say that I'm an old man. But You'd be, the, football, oldest, you'd be the oldest person on the Rams this year. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's football old and, and he's, he goes, he, he goes through a lot in the, in not in the off season, but week to week to kind of keep himself healthy. So it's a big question mark as to whether he can stay on the field because obviously he didn't last year. So you have Mike Evans that who's going to be your number one, number two. So yeah, like you said, the big question, who's going to be the guy after him, Adam Humphreys has, has, uh, Shown some promise in uh, in preseason and in training camp. Uh, he he actually returned a a kickoff for a touchdown in this in this uh, last preseason game. And uh, you know he's a he's a short white guy, so everybody's like, oh hey, Wes Welker, you know next next Wes Welker over here. But I don't know. I think he, he's he's got some holes in his game, and I think this is a big part of the Buccaneers that that's going to be another problem for us. I mean, you, you've got Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans, and then just a, a cliff. A cliff of talent, uh, and on the other Wait, side, are you expecting anything from Safarian Jenkins? Safarian Jenkins, I, oh man, I don't know. He's the Eric Ebron. Of I the mean, the, uh, the 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 official depth chart doesn't even have him as the starter this year. They have a guy named Cameron Brait, who I've never heard of. Cameron Brait's been looking good in camp, but Austin Safarian Jenkins slowly won back that position from him that he lost in camp. So it's it's you know it's it's kind of have it has the all the uh, looks of just like a. A weakness for us, uh, you know. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is a tall guy, and he's he's touted as being, you know, has this all this natural talent. But the guy's work ethic, ethic just isn't there. There was a big to do in the off season where he basically berated fans via Twitter after he got dismissed from practice. Uh, it, the guy doesn't seem like he has a great work ethic, and it, it, it's year three, and it's t- it's put up our shut up time for ASJ, and you know I, I don't know, man, I, I I don't see a whole heck of a lot coming out of the tight end position from the Bucks. Cameron Bray, it, it, uh, you know, Jameis Winston seems to find him uh, when he's in need, but that being said, I still think that's going to be a big weakness for us. All right, so speaking of weaknesses, let's go to the defense. Uh, you know, the, the Bucks. <laughs> Segway. Well, the Bucks defense seems to have a lot of problems. You know, you, you look at the front seven. The only elite guy you really have is Gerald McCoy, and even he, I think, last year he would sell out chasing the quarterback, and then they'd be gashed in the running game. And then at edge rusher, obviously that's been a problem for this team. You signed Michael Bennett, that didn't work out. Uh, now they're bringing in Robert Ayers, but you know, again, he's thirty-one years old, and, right. and he's he's never really been a full-time starter before. So uh, what are they going to do to uh, to get pressure on the quarterback? You know, it's funny you talk about Gerald McCoy because on on my podcast on Where the Bay we have a we have a term for guys like Gerald McCoy, uh, and we call him Tampa good. He's good for Tampa. Like he's 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 the best we have. Like Evan Longoria for the Rays. He's Tampa good. He's not he's not actually good. He's Tampa good. Uh, so yeah, Gerald McCoy is a Tampa good defensive lineman, uh, and and they've they've went out and got uh, Robert Ayers to try to 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 compliment him and and hopefully disrupt things. And he's looked good in preseason, uh, but I mean I think the big thing here is uh, Noah Spence, uh, who they spent a second round draft pick on this year. 
and he's looked he's looked very good in both camp and in preseason. And I Are think the two it'll Spence be, is related or no? Uh, from what I hear, Akeem Spence and Noah Spence not related, but. Mm-hmm. I think you're, what you're going to see is a slightly better defensive line from last year. I mean, the, the, I don't think it's going to make leaps and bounds, but I think it'll be. A, I think we'll be able to get to the quarterback a little bit better than we did in years past. I think, um, you know, this is going to be one of the best defensive lines we've seen here in a long time. But that's not saying anything because our defensive lines have been terrible. So it's it'll be slightly better from last year. Who's who do you guys who would you consider the best uh, defender on the team? On the best team, on the defense is it Levante right? David? Levante David, I used to think, but I mean, I I think he's a little overrated. At the you know, a lot of Bucks fans made a big to do about Luke Keekley being uh, rated over Levante David, and I'm like, yeah, he's a lot better than Levante. Like, uh, mm-hmm. there was there was specifically a play in the last game, or not in the last. Uh, Who'd we play? Uh, it wasn't the Eagles, but the game after that, I've, it slips my mind. But he had an angle on the guy, and he took a he took a terrible, terrible angle, uh, and and ended up turning his back to him and, and giving up a touchdown. And I know it's only preseason, but I you know I don't know about this guy. Like, if if you remember the 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 Washington, you like that game. Levante David was in perfect position to make a play on the ball for the for the go ahead touchdown, and did and and completely whiffed on the play. You know, yeah, maybe that's one play, but. At, at the same time, ugh, man, I don't know. I Really, I got to give it to Gerald McCoy. I mean, I, I can't give it to anybody else. Maybe Brent Grimes, but, uh, you know, he's he's getting up oh there, too. But, yeah. You're going to – I mean, you're going to be sick of Brent Grimes by week two. Trust me. Well, you're, you're going to be sick of Mika Grimes also. <laughs> Actually, we had Miko Grimes on our podcast. She was She's awesome. Well, I, by the way, she is welcome to come on our podcast. I don't think she'll come on our podcast, if you know what I mean, but – Yeah. <laughs> she talked a lot of shit about the Dolphins, but she was nice to us, so – yeah, not just the dolphin. You had Miko on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, man, she's so salty. Her podcast is, like, crazy. If you listen to I mean, it's just a train wreck. I listened to the episode where she had the Dolphins fans on, and I thought, I mean, I thought it was kind of hilarious. It's, you know, Yeah, you, I mean, it's funny. It's funny. I can't stop listening. The best way to get under a, an NFL fan's skin is just to start talking bad about their quarterback. I mean, you know, that's that's the that's the most insecure spot because like, oh my, my, you know, my quarterback's the best. Because if your quarterback really is bad, then that means you just wasted five years on this guy supporting him. So, we really haven't discussed uh, Lovey's successor, Dirk Cutter. So, you know, give us your first impressions on your new coach and how you think that's going to wind up. <laughs> to me, this is like another Mark Tressman, Mike Martz kind of hire. It's it's you know the guy did good on 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 offense, so hey maybe he'll be a good coach. I don't know. The jury's still out on the guy. I, um, you know, he he says a lot of the, the right things in the media, and a lot of the fans seem to enjoy what he says and, and his his kind of shoot from the hip attitude. Uh, but you know, I. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll see what 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 becomes of him. He's he's been making the right moves so far. You know, there's accountability now on the team that there hasn't been before. Specifically when he when he dismissed ASJ from practice and uh, you know all that all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I I think that uh, we finally kind of have a little bit of accountability, and I think the guy's getting a um, you know he's uh, who knows, man. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's got a lot of. I, I, the truth is, I kind of like the hire. He has a bunch of head coaching experience, not amazing head coaching experience, and he's been a coordinator literally everywhere in the country. Right. So I, I think you could have done a lot worse, and there is, you know, there is potential for him to really, uh, you know, I, I feel like he does some really interesting, interesting things on offense. That who's your defensive coordinator? Uh, Mike Smith from the Falcons. 
Okay. So, I mean, you have a competent defensive coordinator. Right. He's, uh, you know, I, he's he's a, I think Carter's the type as long of guy. As, he doesn't, as long as he doesn't uh, take over clock management. Yeah, if you, if right. you keep him away from, from deciding actually you're making game management decisions, he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Keep him out of Kyle, we usually don't discuss special teams uh, too much on this podcast, but I think we obviously need to speak about Aguayo a little bit. You know, he had a good game against the Browns this week, I saw. He didn't miss any kicks finally. But um, even even when he wasn't struggling, the, the fact is you still took a, a kicker in the second round of the NFL draft. Yes, we did, my friend. Someone's enjoying a beverage. About That's that. me. <laughs> yes, we did. That's what happens when you take a kicker. That's in the what happens when round. you take a kicker in the second. When you trade up into the second round to take a kicker. If I'm the Jets GM, I, I would happily tra- trade right now. Our second round pick for the Bucks. Second round pick, no question. Oh, you don't like your fourth string quarterback. I don't even need your pick back. I just want to get rid of Hackenberg. I, I initially, I was not a fan of this pick initially, and for obvious reasons. Oh my God, I mean, he's the, starting to justify it. The, the knee, the knee jerk reaction of it was was, was just, uh, you know, this is bad. Let, let me proceed to justify it because let me let me just list off a few jabronis. He hasn't that abused w- anybody like the Giants kicker, so he's got that going. Yeah, yeah he's probably or like a quarterback. Being. <laughs> Do you guys remember the 2007 draft? You know, the one Adrian Peterson was drafted in. Yeah, our first, the, the, our third overall pick is now dead. He's he's dead. Uh, our second pick in that in that draft, he you is tell uh, us who's he's dead. If you say the guy's dead, that's uh, Gaines Adams. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. R.I.P. Gaines. Yeah. You know what? Browns fans would still rather have him than Brady Quinn. <laughs> Wait. His, and also, Kyle. The, <laughs> you know the uh, the, jet, the I believe the last uh, team to pick a kicker in the second round. The Jets. I could be wrong. Is, is, is or my Jets who picked uh, Mike Nugent, who's still in the league, has had a totally fine career. And if you asked, I think it was Terry Bradway who selected him, he probably would say that was a mistake. Even though Nugent's had a totally fine career, has been in the league. You know, it's going to be his thirteenth season or his twelfth season. How many kickers in the league could you justify that pick for? Like, let's say you got Goskowski. Right. Maybe like Vinatieri, yeah. but you know, he was, he was drafted twenty five years ago. This, nobody else is taking him in the second or third or fourth round. It's marginal value. And, right. and here's the problem. Because you can't keep two kickers. If And I said this to Chester before he started being terrible. I, we may have said this on the draft podcast, but like, like if he has a, a couple bad weeks and you want to cut your kicker like it, you know, three weeks into his career, that's your second round pick. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, there's and nowhere I, to stash him unless you put him on like the IR or the pretend injury, which I guess you can do. But no, we're, we're, we're stuck. Don't you them. remember in Gramatica, the Bucks kicker uh, got injured celebrating a kick? Yeah. It, sure. it was it was a few weeks after his brother did the exact same thing. Yeah, there was Bill and Martin. Yeah, yeah. There's actually I, a lot more to talk about the Bucks than I thought, but we really gotta <laughs> let's move to uh, the next team because we're gonna go five hours. Uh, fair here. enough. But I, I'm not okay. trying to justify it. But we've we've made some terrible picks in the second round before, so you know, let's take a kicker, see what happens. <laughs> I mean, you guys have made we're, bad we're decisions. Gonna, we're gonna at blow coach this kick anyway, round. So. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we screw up all the time. This is nothing to us. I mean, the same person who made the decision, dra- uh, you know, hired Greg Schiano. So. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and Levy right. Smith, Amrahim. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. that's just all the right, last so, twenty-four months. All right, so let, let's move on to the Saints now. Uh, seven and nine last year, which is uh, sort of their equilibrium now. They've been seven and nine three of the last four years. They would have been eight and eight if they would have uh, beaten Carolina. I was actually at that game, um, which was a f- which was just an amazing game. Obviously, you know, tons of points. Uh, the first ever uh, two point uh, conversion return the other way. I think. 
uh, a lot of exciting things in that game, including ultimately a Carolina win. Well, let's start with this offense, obviously, Andrew. Your offense is basically what's been the driving force th- throughout the Champagne era. Whereas we said that there was a bad offensive line in Tampa. You guys have a great offensive line. You still have Drew Brees clicking. To me, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of holes on this offense at all. But tell me if there is one that I'm missing. No, yeah, I actually think uh, Saints Twitter and, and Saints fans in general are kind of melting down with concern over the uh, the performance of the offensive line through the preseason. Oh. So okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at the Saints, I, I, to be fair, I think the Saints internet in general has a lot of meltdowns recently. They do, yeah, <laughs> no, no question about it. You know it, what it is? I, it's I, like it, it, they're, they're sort of like the athlete that like sticks around for one too many olympics and they don't realize like they won the gold you know three olympics ago and the bronze eight olympics ago and and they they only won the gold because they tanya harding the team that should have won the gold that year that's uh, that's true also right they're like justin gatlin four years from now no and that well tyson gay if you want to make a super nerdy analogy but the you know it's but even worse it's like and then four then four years ago they sort of lost in the first round like they, they were knocked out at the first heat and now they think that was a fluke but really it's been like you look back and it's been a zillion years since they were good and Saints fans because Breeze is still pretty good sort of have not come to terms with the fact that this era is over and they haven't this is like year seven of them doing nothing about it well I think you got to realize in 2006 that's when Sean Payton and Drew Brees came on board. And so there have been no changes. That That's really when you think about that era uh, of success and, and the, you know, the kind of the, the success that they had, that they put themselves in that, that, that sort of became the expectation for a little while in New Orleans that they were going to the playoffs every year. They haven't parted ways with that head coach or that quarterback. They're still there. And so I think it's, it's a constant thought process of, man, these guys are elite, and if we can just get the right pieces around them, uh, we're set up to get right back to where we were before. Yeah, I mean, well, their, their defense last year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, by some metrics was the worst since the 80s. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, I think, I mean, I it's not crazy thinking, argument. right? A lot, of pe- a lot of people say that they have the worst defense ever. There mm-hmm. is a legitimate claim that that was actually the case for the Saints last year. Right. So, I mean, ultimately, even though I would hire Sean Payton in a second to call my plays, like, the buck has to stop with him at a certain point. Uh, I, you definitely can't blame Breeze. For the no, defense. you definitely can't. No, I mean, I, I think if you look at every year since uh, Breeze and Sean Payton have been together, the Saints have been number one in the NFL on offense. Uh, all but three or four years of that 10-year period. And last year, I, th- I believe they were second. The year before, they were first. Um, and those are seven and nine teams. Um, so I think, you know, look no further than the defense. Um, that's clearly what's costing them games. But you look, you look at the offseason for this defense. You know, first of all, you've, got, you've been very unlucky. I think the plan was that, you know, moving to a standard 4-3, Hawailu Kikaha, I can't pronounce his name, but he was supposed to start at the end, and then I think he tore his ACL. Keenan Lewis, the cornerback, I think he's had more injuries probably than like, I'm like looking here, leg injury, hip injury, sports hernia injury. Meanwhile, you have Kyle Wilson. He's been placed on IR with a torn labrum. Jerry's Bird's still recovering from an injury. Middle linebacker is a disaster. Pretty much the only upgrade, I think, is the fact that you got rid of Brandon Browner, who literally had the lowest grade for a cornerback last year in pro football Focus's 10-year history. Yeah, yeah. He broke the <laughs> NFL record for most penalties in a season. Uh, the Saints gave up the most touchdowns in NFL history, uh, passing touchdowns ever uh, for a season. And, um, you know, obviously Browner played a huge part in that. So, and, and also it was an NFL record for opposing quarterbacks rating going up against the Saints. So 
Yeah, I, I believe for the year it was a rating of, of over 110 rating points. And so basically any quarterback that was playing the Saints last year was performing at a Hall of Fame level statistically. <laughs> and we played, so the, I mean, there, there were some guys like Brian Hoyer. I mean, I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you also gave up 4.9 yards of carry, which is worse than the league. Yes, yes. There, there was also <laughs> so, the poor. So other defense. than Cameron Jordan, like what, what is there to look forward to on this defense? Well, I, I, I do think, so it starts with pass rush, and, and it really was non-existent last year. And while Cam Jordan's a double-digit sack guy and a pro bowler, the Saints had no pressure up the middle. And so I think that's where you invest a first-round pick in, in Sheldon Rankins, and you get a guy like Nick Fairley, who has been phenomenal uh, this preseason. Uh, I, know, I know that in general, a name like Nick Fairley probably doesn't excite a lot of NFL fans. Uh, but when you compare him to what the Saints had last year, it's a significant upgrade. And now I think you just see in these preseason games, especially in the first quarter when the starters are in, the pocket collapses a little bit more. They're getting a little bit more interior pressure. And it's enough to redirect these quarterbacks into the edge pressure that they have. Um, and that makes a huge difference because now it's not like quarterbacks are just playing seven on seven and waiting for receivers to get wide open with all the time they need. And it, then it really doesn't matter who you have back there at cornerback, whether they're great or terrible. Um, if you give a quarterback enough time, you, the, the guys are too good in this league and they'll pick you apart. Um yeah, I mean, do you have any, like, is there any reason for optimism? You know, Dennis Allen was, is charged with taking over the defense. Uh, I guess he started uh, last year after they fired Rob in November, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's not, I, to me, if you have the worst defense ever, you have a very high-priced coach who, and a, and a really aging QB, you have to go and, you know, even if, it, even if it's going to cost you $3, 4000000 million, you know, steal some defensive coordinator. I don't know, steal some college team's coach and make him their, your defensive coordinator. Like, Dennis Allen has one year of coordinator experience. You know, he was an assistant on the, you know, your abominable defense last year. Not exactly like a, you know, he, he was eight and a zillion as the Raiders coach. Uh, you know, not exactly like some stellar defensive uh, resume. Do you have any faith in Dennis Allen? I do, uh, you know, just because, first of all, he really was the top assistant under Peyton before he left. Um, so he, you know, he was a big part of that staff that won a Super Bowl. And, and he, so I think he's already got some institutional credit, if you will, uh, based on how well he was as, a, as an assistant before he left. And then obviously he went to the Broncos, uh, did a tremendous job as their defensive coordinator, so much so that he got a head coaching job. And, you know, I think you give him a pass being a head coach of the Raiders um, because no one's really been successful mm-hmm. in that job for for decades. Uh, but uh, Well, the guy who came after him is, looks like he's doing a better job. Yeah, it looks like that, that's, that ship is finally turning a little bit. But, no, I, I think Dennis Allen is a guy that, I mean, you're already noticing some significant differences between him and Rob Ryan in a positive way. Um, and I think most significantly... Uh, Rob Ryan at times was just so cluttered and so complex. And, you know, I attribute some of this to the Saints having a lot of young players, uh, but they were so slow with substitutions, so slow with audibles, and, and guys just not being in the right place when the ball was snapped. And that's how so many teams were able to take advantage of them last year. And the big difference with Dennis Allen is he is more simplistic and he is prepared. And he has his guys prepared. And yes, they might get beat. And yes, there might, they might still be devoid of talent. But at least they're going to be lined up in the right place. The play calls are going to get in on time. 
And, you know, that was a big reason why they added James Laurinaitis. You know, he might not be the best linebacker in the league, um, and he's aging, uh, but they felt like they needed a guy that was an extension of the coach that could, uh, you know, from an IQ standpoint, manage, kind of relay the play call to the players on the field, get players in position. That was a big thing for this defense last year and why they struggled so much. So, um, listen, I, I'm not selling the guy as, as transforming this into a top 10 defense by any means, but uh, I think those things alone will, will make it at least improved uh, compared to the worst ever. All right, so now let's move. We have a. I have uh, in my apartment because I have the Saints at twenty one. Let's move to number twenty two, one spot below them, the Falcons. Uh, they're big rivals. So, Gavin, let's talk to you about the Falcons for a second. Wait, uh, can I make? Year. Can I give a hot take, Chester, about the Falcons? Yeah, the, uh, team in the league so far that, uh, this off season with the least buzz. I've heard less well, about the Falcons than any other team in the NFL this offseason. Isn't Matt Ryan the least buzzy quarterback in the NFL? Always, but I feel like less so. Although there's almost this like. Hey, why did he get worse? And is he like on, you know, is there something wrong with him sort of thing? But nobody's even talking about that, even though maybe they should be. Okay. <laughs> no one's talking about it here either. Okay, so so let's, Fuck let's Matt jump Ryan. to sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's jump right to that uh the 2015 season for the Falcons. It was it was sort of a you know, two different years. You start six and one, obviously, and it was around that point of the year when Akiva and I did our uh, rank at uh, the NFL head coaches podcast. And so Akiva had Dan Quinn like sixth, and then you turn on and lost six in a row. And when you actually look at that six and one start, it's a little bit of a mirage. All six of the wins came against the uh, the two worst divisions in football, which was the AFC South and the NFC East. Uh, now, I mean, look, you, you did you did stop Houston by like 27. And so, you know, obviously that's an impressive game no matter how you slice it. But during that six-game losing streak, you lost to the Bucs uh, at home. You lost to the 49ers, who were possibly the worst team in the NFL. You lost to the Bucs a second time. Uh, you lost to Carolina, which is a legit team, obviously, but you lost 38 to nothing. So they looked really, really, really ugly. And then, um, and then you had a couple wins to salvage it at the end of the year. Okay, so tell me, coming into the 2016 season, do you see these Falcons as more of the team that started 5-0 and last year or, or the team that followed that up with the 0-6 run in the middle of the year? One of the most frustrating things about being an Atlanta Falcons fan is the fact that this team is almost always both of those things within the same season. Uh, sometimes they, they look like world beaters, sometimes they look completely incompetent. Um, I, I think that this year they take a step forward, but because they play statistically the hardest schedule in the league, it could be a situation where the team plays better but has a worse record to show for. Okay, let's look at the offense overall. Last year, uh, you guys were 23rd in DVOA, and that's taking into account the fact that you got a career year from Devonta Friedman, a uh, career year and a completely healthy year for Julio Jones, which I think is only the second time that he's played all 16 games. So, And again, even with all that, you were only 23rd in DVOA. So is there a way that this offense can improve to at least average, if not above average? Or I think another year in the zone blocking scheme for Devontae Freeman will be helpful. <clears throat> I think that he has established himself as the best of our running backs, which is not to say that our running backs are world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that he's the best of the bunch. And I don't see any reason that he could continue to develop in the zone blocking scheme. I think asking for a repeat of Julio's season last year would be asking a lot of any receiver because last season for Julio was one for the ages for NFL wide receivers in general. I think what we do have coming into this season that we didn't have last year is a more complete receiving game. 
As much as I love Roddy White, he got very old very fast last year, and it became very difficult for him to get separation from receivers. And we saw flashes of the old Roddy White, but there was no consistency. Um, I think that we overpaid for Muhammad Sanu as our number two receiver. I think that he took advantage of a team that absolutely had a need for a number two receiver and being probably the best available number two on the market at the time. Uh, but I think that he, he will provide Julio with the ability to draw some of that coverage away because teams just didn't have to pay attention to Roddy last year. We also have Justin Hardy who has stepped into the slot role. He's had another year to grow, to learn, and this is a guy that had either the most or the second most receptions in NCAA football history at East Carolina. So he's a sure-handed guy. He runs routes well. So I think that the offense overall can be better. The thing that concerns me the most about the offense is the coordinator wearing the headset, and it's Kyle Shanahan. If you follow <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's career, usually his second year with a quarterback, his second year with a team, things get kind of rough. Matt Schaub had a severe downturn in the second year of Shanahan's term in Houston. If they can give Matty the keys to the huddle, the keys to the field, let him go out there and run the offense within Shanahan's system, I think that this offense takes a jump forward. Otherwise, if we get more of the Kyle Shanahan play calling that we've seen through the years, I'm a little nervous about what happens next. And what about, I mean, it looks like Matt Ryan's best years were really when Tony Gonzalez was there. And since he's left, I mean, you talked about you've added Sanu and you've added a couple of other receivers, but is there a tight end who obviously nobody's going to be as good as Tony G, but is there any kind of tight end who can be a real weapon for this team? Jacob Tammy is serviceable. Uh, I, I wouldn't yeah. say that he's great, but you can target him four or five times a game. He'll hold on to the ball. He can, he can throw some decent blocks, but certainly okay. nothing to the extent uh, of Tony Gonzalez. I think they had some very high hopes for Levine Toilolo when they drafted him. He's a 6'8 guy. He can, he can run in space pretty well, but he just doesn't have the hands to be the receiving threat that they need. The tight end position is definitely one that they need to upgrade, and I think because of that, that's where you're going to see a lot of the, the buzz surrounding the two running back sets that they've been uh, talking about throughout preseason and experimenting with. They want to run Devontae Freeman and Coleman and Ward out of the backfield in multiple back sets to have them as receiving options. They've also got Patrick DeMarco at the fullback spot, and while the fullback spot's not something that typically gets used a lot in today's NFL, DeMarco has really good hands for a fullback. That's, that's an important qualifier for a fullback. Uh, but in lieu of a dominant tight end, I think you're going to see some creativity with the running back situation and how they use them as receivers. And you're confident that it's going to be more of the Devonta Freeman from the first half of last season, like the games against Dallas and Washington and Tennessee, than the guy in the second half of the season, like the guy who had you know 12 carries for 12 yards against San Francisco or, or some of those other games down the stretch. Um, I'm actually looking, the second half of the year, he did not have a single game where he averaged even 3.4 yards a carry other than the indie game where he only carried the ball three times. That's the biggest concern about Freeman is his durability over the course of the season. He runs very aggressively. It's almost like he seeks out contact, like he has something to prove. He's never going to be a dominant power runner like Michael Turner was his first couple of seasons in Atlanta. Uh, he, he doesn't have the elusive ability that Ward Dunn had. Uh, but he can be, like I said, he's the best of an average group of running backs. Uh, would it be nice to have a, a, a dominant playmaker or someone that was a threat to break a huge run every time he touched the ball? Sure. 
Uh, but given the choice between Devontae Freeman grinding out a few yards and, and giving us some third and short opportunities, or, or having Coleman be a 50-50 shot to give the ball away every time he touches it, I, I'm still happy with Freeman. All right, so let's jump to the defense now. Uh, like the previous two teams, that seems to be where you guys have much bigger holes. Uh, Gavin, you told us in April you wanted the Falcons to draft uh, Reggie Raglan, who uh, might end up being a solid pick. Of course, we don't know because you know he went two spots later to the Bills and has already suffered a huge injury in training camp, so his rookie season is sort of destroyed. Uh, but if you remember, you actually didn't respond in time, so we ended up going with a different Falcons fan in our official 32 fans mock draft. And, uh, and that guy, Harry Schaefer, who I know is a listener. So, hey, Harry, how's it going? He wanted guard Cody Whitehair, who ended up going 39 picks later. So that probably wouldn't have been a high-value pick. But instead, who the Falcons did go with, uh, you know, speaking about low value, is uh, is Florida safety Keanu Neal. Uh, I just want to read a, a quick uh, Keanu Neal burn from Football Outsiders. This is what they write here. They say the Seattle defensive blueprint, which, of course, is what Dan Quinn has brought to Atlanta, demands up-the-middle players who can cover and tackle. Florida safety Keanu Neal was a surprise first-round pick to fill the void the Falcons had at the position last season. If you want to imagine Neal's college play, picture Cam Chancellor, except picture a Cam Chancellor who doesn't miss, who doesn't make any tackles and also cannot defend the pass. There you go. That's the college Neal experience. All the physical dimensions, none of the production. And th- their so. first-round pick last year, Vic Beasley, can't even get on the field, basically, right? Yeah, so defend these picks. That's yeah, that's where I'm going. Because <laughs> this defense isn't good. So who are so? Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Keanu Neal draft pick. I know that fits the physical mold of what Dan Quinn had in Seattle with Cam Chancellor, and, and a big part of Quinn's offense is having that safety that can come in and lay in big hits. Uh, but at the same time, the the report on Cam Chancellor, sorry, the report on Keanu Neal is. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the strength. He doesn't tackle particularly well, and he doesn't cover particularly well. Uh, my hope was that we would address the pass rush a little bit more through the draft this year and, and try to uh, develop someone. Instead, we went with a safety. I think that, especially with his injury, and he's going to miss, I think, the first three or four weeks of the season, and they went out and signed Deshaun Goldson. It'll give him an opportunity to watch the game and see how important it is to be in the right place at the right time. And hopefully that can get him on the right track, give the coaches some time to work with him on the things that he's lacking. Uh, Vic Beasley Jr., I'm not worried about him at all. He played hurt a lot last year, didn't talk about being hurt, wasn't griping, complaining. He's healthy going into the season this year. They've moved him back to the linebacker spot where he can use his speed a little bit more instead of trying to bull people over because he's not a big guy by defensive lineman standards. So I think you'll actually see Beasley's pass rush get a lot better this season coming from the weak side linebacker spot as opposed to trying to rush as a speed defensive end. All right, Akiva, let's, for a palate cleanser, we've just discussed three terrible defenses. So can we talk about a good one for a minute? Sure. You want to talk about the Vikings? Well, not on this podcast. Tony, let's talk about the Panthers' defense for a minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, the front seven obviously loaded, uh, you know, arguably the best front seven in the league. It's not just Luke Kuechly. You got Kwan Short and Coney Ely and Thomas Davis and Shaq Thompson. I mean, all of these guys could be pro bowlers, basically. But my question— They all are. Yeah. But my question is about the secondary. <laughs> pro Football Focus ranks this the 32nd, the dead last secondary in the NFL— Obviously, you had a couple of uh, significant departures. Uh, Peter Tillman to making funny YouTube videos. Norman to uh, to Washington. So my question is, what are they going to do to improve the secondary? I mean, part of the problem, I think, is that you have like such good linebackers and such good coverage linebackers, but you can't really keep all three on the field when teams are trotting out three or four receivers, especially you know teams in your division with like Drew Brees throwing, for example. Well, yeah, I think that that's been the traditional. Um 
kind of position is that you can't have all three linebackers out when you're going against such a pass-heavy uh, league. But, you know, they went out and drafted a particularly special player in Shaq Thompson last year who we didn't see, a, you know, make a huge impact last year. But every time he was on the field, he did he did contribute and make plays. You know, uh, if you went back to the NFC Championship game where they just pummeled the Cardinals, you know, Shaq Thompson's in coverage against slot receivers all day. I mean, he's... He's locking up Larry Fitzgerald, and and certainly Fitzgerald isn't the guy he was, you know, four or five years ago. But at the same time, um, you know, that's a pretty notable accomplishment. You know, there are a lot of concerns when it comes to the the Panthers' secondary is that, um, you know, you don't got anybody that has any real proven experience to be or any experience at all. I think the Um, average, like, hardcore NFL fan has heard of maybe one player in their whole secondary. Yeah, and that maybe has been a Ben Wickery because he's got a funky name. Maybe Ben. Um, I was thinking Kirk Coleman, but he was my second guy. Yeah, uh, and that's because uh, maybe you know Kirk Coleman was on the Eagles for a eight. while. Yeah, and then he went to Kansas City. Is and, and Coleman has been a uh, a very good addition for the Panthers. They just extended him, in fact, and he had eight interceptions last year, and he was able to. Uh, you know, I think he tied when he was in Kansas City. He played something like 300 snaps and have four four interceptions that year. So he's he tends to be a ball hawk. Look, this is just the the Carolina Panthers of old. Is that it's really the same secondary we've always had, and and we have never really invested too um, too much in that. And you know, Josh Norman, while um, last year he did have a phenomenal year and he uh, you know, finished the year before very strong, is that that's all he's done um, as a player. So it's not like it's he's got like a you know five or six years of being a top cornerback uh, there. Uh, and pretty much the the Panthers secondary is all predicated on uh, the front seven doing a good enough job that uh, those guys can manage. And that's how it how it's been since Dave Gettleman's been there and. Um, and I think now that uh, Cam Newton is stepping up and becoming, you know, a league MVP, we have the offense to maybe get away with it. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. We're starting with defense here. We'll get to offense in a second. But I want to, I want to talk about special teams because you guys made a really bizarre trade today. Uh, speaking of Dave Gettleman, uh, what do you think about this punter trade where you're giving up a fourth round pick for Andy Lee, a good punter? But I mean, he's a punter. I, I would, if it was my team, I'd be pulling my hair out. Well, I mean, it's not like drafting one in the second or trading up for it. Uh, but there's a punter. <laughs> this is even worse than a kicker. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's a it's a real weakness for the Panthers right now. Is that we lost our 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 Brad Nortman, who was our, our punter. To he went to Jacksonville in free agency, and um, you know he was he wasn't even very good last year. He was excellent the year before. But I mean, you could find uh, someone off off the street. You know, a different guy every week. Eventually, you'll find somebody who could. You know. Yeah, you would. I don't know. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I think on the face of it, it sounds like a fourth round pick sounds so devastating, uh, or sounds so much. And it's and if it was like the Browns, you know, the opposite of the deal, I'd say, you know, you could say like, well, the Browns were going to mess up that pick anyway, but Gettleman could find someone good in the fourth round. Right. I mean, and I think those are all kind of you know just logical things looking at it from a draft standpoint. But what I think it it really signals, and it's not tremendously upsetting, is that. You know, we had a problem with it. It was clear in, in camp. Um, I mean, the coaches were coming out saying they couldn't kick from the left hash. Uh, you saw them just punting duds in, in the preseason. And 
And the way the Panthers want to play football, you know, I mean, I think the special team shouldn't be underestimated as the third side of the ball. And, and you know, maybe it says uh, for me is that there's some immediacy uh, for the for the Panthers. Uh, well, doesn't and, it feel like with doesn't this it feel like they a have move, this year? Yeah, doesn't it feel like a move of a team that thinks they're winning the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I mean, if that's if that's the move, the one piece that has to change it, you know, I mean, that's I don't know. Is that, We're not saying that it's going to bring them. It's just like in his mind, like why else is he making the trade other than like? Yeah, I mean, oh, we I have think, no punter, uh, you, and let's just let's just all hands on deck this season. Well, I think yeah, I, I do think it says that hey, we got a group of guys that have a legitimate opportunity to return to the Super Bowl, and we can't let uh, you know just trying to band aid this position. Um, you know, maybe get in the way of that. But, you know, uh, there's some other positions that I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina went out and addressed as well. Mm-hmm. All right, switching to the offensive side of the ball for a second. Uh, so for the second straight year, an NFC team uh, with arguably the worst receiving group in the league almost wins the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So, you Cam know, Newton happened. Yeah, so yeah, they, had, they had 50 touchdowns. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, so now th- this is definitely not the worst receiving group in the league anymore because you're adding Calvin Benjamin. But, how, you know, wh- how do you see uh, – obviously Greg Olson is locked in as, you know, the top three or four tight ends in the league at the very worst. Um, but, you know, how do you see the receiving group looking this offseason? You know, I don't, I don't know if uh, in single coverage, if you put out Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches out there, there, there's going to be two corners in the league that could that could stop him. Oh come uh, on, just, Funches is so slow he could be stopped by a linebacker. Yeah, Funches runs right, like a right, but, And well, by the way, Benjamin's you know, really here's slow the thing, too. Is it's about Benjamin's it's about one of the both slowest of them receivers. Six five man is yeah. that these guys are <laughs> physical. It is that they don't need to. First, look, uh, Jerry Rice ran a four seven or some mess like that. It was yeah, terrible. it's a different league so, though. Yeah, um, also but I don't think you guys, want to compare Devin Funches to Jerry Rice. <laughs> no, and I that, that's well, not what it was meant to be. But what I'm saying is these guys are physically imposing to the point of um, man, they'll take your lunch money from you. Uh, particularly Benjamin, you know, Funches is uh, head and shoulders above where he was last year. Uh, he came in, you know, if you think about it, both of those guys, like Funches is only like 21 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a baby. Uh, he's also going to be facing, not that I want to spend too much time talking about Devin Funches, but like Funches is going to be facing the third cornerback, even in, uh, you know, in on second down a lot of times, just because uh, so, so frequently Greg Olson draws like, a, you know, a, a top tier uh, secondary player to cover him. Yeah, I mean, I could, all I can say is, like, uh, if that was a position of concern last year, it is our position of strength this year, and that is that, you know, Benjamin is just a, a normal, he's a manimal, uh, Funches is tall. You know, I think the, I'm, I'm the least fan of Ted Ginn Jr. In the, on the earth. Uh, and uh, and he even had 10 touches last year. You know what I mean? If he could, I mean, he should have had 20. He, he left 10 out on the field that he dropped, but... Um, you know, these guys, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that like for any other year you would say, Hey, this, this is uh you don't have to worry about the receiving group. And look, is that Denver said that in the Super Bowl last year is that they just said, look, is we can handle you guys one-on-one and we're just going to pin our ears back and go after Cam Newton. And so with adding Kelvin Benjamin to the mix, uh, adds a bunch, but you know, there's some other guys too, that are really fighting hard to maybe make an impression and uh, Demir Bird from uh, the University of South Carolina, he was undrafted free agent last year. 
He's only 5'9 and weighs 185 pounds soaking wet, but he runs a 4.240. He's got world-class speed, and, and you know, they've been working him out on the punt team. Uh, he's been had a phenomenal camp this year. He stuck around on the practice squad last year. So, you know, I think when you get those big guys, you get some, you get some freedom uh, to get creative with uh, the downfield plays. I'll make a quick uh, Panthers prediction. I think Jonathan Stewart, I think the wheels start falling off this year. He's, he's almost 30 years old. He had a really long, you know, after, after splitting so many carries with D'Angelo, finally has to take the load himself. Then he has to shoulder the load in the playoffs himself. It's just, it's a lot. You know, a lot of 29, 30-year-old running backs. It just go, one season they have it, the next season they're totally shot. It wouldn't shock me if, if he's just completely finished. You know, for for Jonathan Stewart, it's always about injuries. Uh, you know, is that is he's it's difficult for him to to finish the season. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly I, he doesn't have the explosion that he used to. But uh, man, when he's out there, he produces. And uh, but the problem is, is can he be out there for sixteen or nineteen games or whatever you need him to be? He's a little bit like a pitcher. I don't know if you guys are baseball fans. If you're a baseball fan in in, uh, in Carolina, but like. Uh, he's a little bit like a pitcher who is always always throws 150 innings because he's hurt. Then his team goes to the World Series and he throws 300 innings. He's a little like Matt Harvey-ish. <laughs> and, and you don't know <laughs> what's going to happen the year after. Although, spoiler alert, it usually doesn't doesn't work out well. But yeah, I think you have reason for optimism. Chester, are we ready for best in the division? Yeah. Akiva, we really saved the best for last because these uh, guests of ours are they're really going at it in the Zencaster chat room. Oh, really? I, so, I haven't even yeah. noticed. Okay, so let's segue. Uh, well, that's a good segue to uh, the best. Let's talk about the best in this division. Let me, do, let me do it, Chester, because your audio stinks. So work on your audio while I do this. There's nothing, Akiva, there's nothing to work on. It's perfect. Chester, don't say it's perfect when no one can hear a word you're saying. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's like perfect the way Greg Williams, you know, God will view Greg Williams <laughs> after 120 years. Or perfect the way Matt Ryan is. Yes. All right, so while you perfect your perfect audio, there's, I'm going to do I'm not perfecting it. Uh, it's fine. Okay, carry Okay, but on. no one can hear what you're saying, so you Obviously you can't because you're responding to me. <laughs> we can we, we're in, we're intelligent. And we can intuit what you're saying. That doesn't mean we hear you. Yeah. Okay. Go. <laughs> All I hear is Chester writing. If I had Hitler and Greg Williams and only one bullet. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Let's let's do a little segment we call Best in the Division. Hitler never knocked Brett Favre out after the whistle. <laughs> All right. yeah, that was a great joke, except for the bottom third. We couldn't freaking hear one word you said. <laughs> we got, we got, we, basically, we got this. We got Hitler. Hitler. Uh, <laughs> greatest. <laughs> one bullet, and it looks like he turned it on himself. Damn. <laughs> All right, who's the best coach in the division? Andrew. Sean Payton. Gavin. It's probably going to get some chuckles, but I'm going to go with Dan Ooh. Quinn. Uh, I think Tony. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I'm going to just keep this rolling, Ron Rivera. Okay. Kyle, if you if you say Dirk Cutter, no, no, you no. should say Kyle Shanahan. It's between it's between it's between uh, Riverboat Ron and Sean Payton. I think I think All I right. got to go with Sean Payton because he's a, right. he's at least got a Super Bowl under his belt. He's had yeah. sustained winning seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't Payton just riding on his reputation at this point? He's a seven and nine coach year after year. He's basically yeah, totally. Jeff Fisher these days. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> they both empowered Greg Williams, right? I hope you guys I hope you guys appreciate. This is like a marriage where like you always argue, and then like people come over and see how crazy your wife or whatever your husband is. And like, oh, finally, I've been proven right. You know, everyone agrees that what you're doing is insane. <laughs> so this is Chester insisting that his audio is perfect. 
And that, and and you guys are making fun of him. It's really right, making when, my day. when we post when we post the podcast, we'll we'll listen to it. We'll see what it sounds like. Here's what it sounds like. Sean Payton is a r. We could have said racist. You could have said anything. Well, I beat. I <laughs> I, I, edited, I restrained myself. And Hitler. Yeah. He is pretty racist. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Best offense in the division, Gavin. As much as it pains me to say it, it is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints. All right. So let's go to Andrew. The Saints, definitely. Kyle. Yeah. I'm going Panthers, baby. Dab, dab, dab. And and Tony. Yeah. I mean, it has to be the Panthers. we got the best player in the NFL. All right, so we're tied 2-2. Chester, you want to break the tie? Yeah, I say Carolina also. Yeah, I'm Carolina too. To me, Carolina's sweeping these awards. Uh, yeah, best defense. Uh, let's, let's just not say Carolina debate. very quickly. Carolina, at the same yeah, time, Carolina. Guys. Okay. All right, you guys ready for the roster game? Wait, what about quarterback? Yes. Do we all agree it's Cam? Or oh, is... oh, yeah. Is there anyone who de- who's debating Drew Brees or Matt Ryan over Cam? Uh, okay, hold on. Are we saying, like, currently right now as it stands right now? Not historically. Okay, Cam. Yeah, Cam. Historically, I would go Brees, but, like, as as it stands right now, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, but... So Cam's Let's the reigning MVP. South if you, statistically, it's pretty comparable. Wait, Andrew, so if you could have one of these quarterbacks for the 2016 season, you'd still rather have Drew Brees? Nah, I don't know. I think with Cam, there's that extra dimension. I, I think if you ask me who's the better passer, um, for me, that's unquestionably Brees. Uh, but, you know, Cam, Cam adds a dimension. I mean, Cam completed under it, 60% of his passes last year right. for most yeah. quarterbacks. That gets, you know, you lose your job nowadays with that. But mm-hmm. I'm not knocking okay. Cam. I'm just take, saying you take can Take away the him. MVP award. <laughs> that's it. Take it away. But can I tell you how sensitive the Saints fans are to Breeze? This is probably boring, but I'm going to tell the story. I on I went on a a reality television podcast, um, and we uh, you guys know the show Survivor, the television show Survivor yeah. that starts thirty third season. Um, so we drafted, we did, we played out a uh, on this reality TV podcast. We played out a season of Survivor as played by NFL quarterbacks. Uh, and we, because Survivor has between 16 and 20 cast members, we didn't cast every QB in the league. We sort of w- did casting as if we were, you know, the producers of the show before we started it. Uh, it probably sounds insane, but people actually liked it, and I'm sure it had tens of thousands of listens. Anyway, we did the last cut was Drew Brees, and the most like hate e- emails and Reddit, like there was dozens of nasty comments on Reddit um, of for I've, of anything I've ever done in my life was. Uh, leaving Drew Brees off the fake season of Survivor. <laughs> Saints fans were so horrified. Like, how, how could you bring Jameis Winston? By the way, if you were like a TV producer, who's making better TV, Jameis Winston or Drew Brees? Jameis. Colin, Colin Kaepernick or Drew Brees? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're not drafting a QB, you know, to win you a Super Bowl on the island. You want someone to, you know, blow up at the guy next to you. That's must-see TV. Exactly. Drew Brees, I mean, I, I, first of all, you want Eli over him. I don't remember everyone who was cast. Tony Romo is a bigger name. Oh, yeah. Jay Cutler, you get Kristen Cavallari for the, for the family visit. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, Drew, Drew Brees is... I also made a lot of, um, okay. like, vaccine jokes. All right, Chester, you're bored? No, I was just being Jay Cutler. But actually, it is relevant to the scenario also. <laughs> no, I, 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 I... Whatever. Anyway, the point is Saints fans can be very sensitive. Smoking a cigarette right now. <laughs> All we, right, we do uh, have a lot of milk toast quarterbacks in our division. Well, yeah, that's Matt. Well, Ryan I think Cam sure. Cam got on the season. Matt Ryan also did not get cast. It was, I think, it was eight AFC and eight NFC quarterbacks. Even though you guys have four sort of like super famous. Wait, QBs. doesn't Cam win? Doesn't Cam have to win? Well, <laughs> I don't want to spoil the podcast. I'm sure everyone's going to go out and listen to it, but uh, I believe it was an AFC QB who won. 
Oh, I'll go listen to it now. Anyway, are we going to do your beloved roster game for the final time in 2016? Let's start with Kyle. Got it. Kyle, uh, tell me everything you know about... No, that guy's too famous. Uh, Jude Ajay Barima. I knew you were going to say that. Jude Ajay Barima, he is our, he, he's potentially our third cornerback. He's my favorite name to say. I feel like he's been on some other team somewhere, but I, I can't, I don't know, I don't know quite where, but I mean, I feel okay. like I've heard Joe Buck say his name at least once. So maybe, maybe the Giants, he's been on the Giants, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's about all I know about him. My favorite name on the Bucks. Yeah, that is a good name. He's never played for another team, but it's possible someone else drafted. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so now for the Panthers, we got Tony. Fire away. I need a good one for Tony. Tony! That's another Seinfeld reference, by the way. Uh, Tony, uh, who is Jeremy Cash? Jeremy Cash is the former ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he is a strong safety that played at Duke while uh, their their coach now at Duke is the guy that coached Peyton Manning in college. What is his name? Uh, Cutcliffe. Uh, so he's a, yeah, cut, uh, Cutcliffe. He, so defensive former defensive player, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. He's you guys are listing safety. him as a linebacker for what that's worth. Yes, they are trying to convert. Uh, well, they're trying to put him at linebacker. I still want him to go. We need strong safety help. Uh, By the way, I also, want data, Tony. I want data on and if, because you know there there is this like issue with the NFL that there is no minor league, there's no secondary league. It's not like you could work out kinks in the AFL or something. I want to know the percentage of like players who try switch positions or like you bring in these rugby guys and try and teach them football. And I'm sure if you gave them like three years in the minor leagues, they would probably become like starting level players. There's just like you have a few weeks in training camp and then a couple preseason games where snaps have to be divided in 90 ways. Like there's no way it's so hard to convert. It happens, obviously. It's so hard to convert guys from you know one position to another in the, in the short amount of time they have. Anyway, end rant. You keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thomas Davis, though, uh, speaking of a player that converted positions, was a, was a safety at Georgia who converted to linebacker. Wasn't Erlacher a safety technically in college also? I, yeah. It sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely happens, but I feel like for everyone that works, there's 100 guys that are out of the league that just couldn't do it. My thing about Jeremy Cash is this, is you guys should all go follow him on Twitter. He's like the nicest. I mean, not for like uh, shock tweets. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he literally could be the nicest person on earth. Wow. That's adorable. Yeah. I mean, like super Jesus guy. Like, I mean, he just is like a guy, head. I mean, for a guy that's going to be practice squad or cut, uh, really good attitude, hard worker, always around the ball. Uh, you know, it's a player you want to root for. All right, uh, Andrew, tell me about Tommy Lee Lewis. Tommy Lee is one word. Yes, Tommy Lee is one word. He's a very small receiver for the Saints that actually has a good shot at the 53-man roster. Uh, I'd say he's kind of the one undrafted. He's my rookie. height, but uh, but I have like 60, 70 pounds on him. So Yeah, he's 5'7". <laughs> he's really explosive. He, he is super explosive. So he, he's shown a little bit in the return game. Uh, I believe he went to college at Northern Illinois. Don't quote me on that, but I, I believe he went there. And uh, he's 5'7", five, 5'6", five, and um, 
you know, he's just been getting open. He's one of those guys where, like, you can't really justify keeping a guy like that. You're, you're like, mm-hmm. why would you keep a small receiver like this? But he keeps getting open. He keeps making plays. I feel and, like and Hard Knocks would love him if you guys were on Hard Knocks. Yeah, time. and, you know, it's one of those things where in the third and fourth quarter of preseason, there's a flag every other play. Your quarterback isn't that good. The offensive line can't hold their blocks. So, I mean, it's really hard to make plays in the third and fourth quarter. And he's really the only guy that's been doing it for the Saints. So, he, he might actually, you might actually hear his name at some point in the regular season this year. All right, that's pretty good. All right, and let's finish this off with Gavin and his Atlanta Falcons. Oh, I like this name. Tell me about Nordley Cappy. Honestly, you have chosen <laughs> good one of the guys that I know very little about. I know we went to Akron University, uh, and that's really about it. If you would have asked me to place a bet on whether Nordley Cappy was even on our team or not, I probably would have opted with not. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be the guy on this panel that doesn't know my roster as well as the other three. I have no idea who Nordley Cappy is. Yeah, he's a defensive end from Akron. Nordley, we're going to do some research on Nordley Cappy. You know, he's like a summer signing, which is never a good... He was on the Ravens practice squad last year. Never a great sign when you, like, you know, they didn't, like, right after... Like, everyone in March and April was like, nah, we don't need Nordley Cappy on our 90-man roster. But now it's like, all right, we, we just caught our backup hunter. But how about this? Here's a tweet. Dan Quinn specifically pointed out the play of Wes Schweitzer and Nordley Cappy as guys who stood out last night. Uh, but he also got hurt in practice a couple days ago. So not sure he's making the team. You know, we've done this segment 64 times, or maybe we didn't start it the first week, but almost 64 times Chester. And it's still perfect. We've never missed once. <laughs> <laughs> it has never once uh, been a hit. I was just going to say... We, on the NFC West podcast, we were talking about all the Cromarties that are going to be in the league uh, in a few years. Yeah. yeah. Right? When Antonio's brood grows up. I was flying back from Minneapolis about two or three summers ago, and there was a guy in front of me in the security line who, you know, usually if you're like a professional athlete and you're traveling, you're not going to make it obvious in your wardrobe. But if you're the guy who was just, you know, a summer invite to camp, you will. So this guy, not only was he wearing a full Vikings getup, like tracksuit and carrying a Vikings bag. He also had his Vikings name tag around his neck, which he clearly mm-hmm. did not need to have outside the facility. And he was a Cromartie. That's all. That's what I remembered. And I quickly looked up on my phone. I Googled him and he was some like, you know, uh, rookie, you know, uh, college uh, undrafted free agent who the Vikings had brought in. Um, but yeah, so there really are a lot of Cromarties even this generation. And that's before Antonio's, you know, 27 kids. Uh, okay, that, I mean, up. I don't know what the segue was because we didn't say the word Cromartie, but thanks for that story. No, because no, 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 somebody <laughs> mentioned that he was a summer. No, just because. You guys you are know, like I'm a married be- couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to edit this out, but maybe I'll leave it in now because I keep this. No, leave it in. It was great. It was great. All right, uh, Chester takes over the, the schedule portion. Um, now, where are you going? Chester, uh, I got to do some dish. I got to do dishes. My wife's oh going to be very mad. Uh, thank you guys. You guys were all great, actually. Oh, four for four, really good. Thank you. <laughs> all right, yeah. So, so let's 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 take a look at the schedules now. This is a division. There's obviously not a lot of drama as to who's going to win the division, but these, those other three teams, I think any of them could grab a wild card. Any of them could go 5-11. and 11. There's, there's a big range. So let's see uh, what you guys think of each other's teams. 
So, Tony, we'll start with you. We'll give you the Bucks. How about that? So, week one, the Bucks go at Atlanta. Is that a win or a loss for Tampa Bay? You know, I'd actually, I think the Bucks are, are improved this year, so I'd pick the Bucks to win that game. All right, so win on the road at Atlanta, and then the next week it gets tougher at Arizona. Arizona, yeah, I mean, right now, as everything stands, Arizona's same powerhouse team, so you would go with them. All right, then they come home, home opener against the L.A. Rams. Man, that's tough. You know, Todd Gurley's such a beast. I have no idea how the Rams are going to look this year with their quarterback. And, gosh, I hate to pick them. What, did that make them 2-1 and one to start? Uh, <laughs> I'll it. pick the I'll pick the Bucks there for a team coming west to east. All right, then it gets a lot tougher. they got to face the uh, Super Bowl teams back-to-back. Week four, they're facing the Broncos at home. Who knows with the Broncos what type of team they really are this year? Trevor I mean, Simeon. <laughs> yeah, uh, Northwestern. I mean, he's compete. Hey, what did he complete four passes in the in the preseason, and he secured the job. Uh, they did it with Peyton Manning, but it was, was Peyton Manning last year, even though he's not the same old guy. Um, gosh, I just I just don't think the Broncos are going to be as strong, but I'll pick them. I guess to win on the defense on the road. That's tough. A road game for the Broncos, all defense. But <laughs> all right, so uh, give me the Broncos. <laughs> all right, and then they go at uh, your Panthers on Monday Night Football in Week Five. Panthers, man, okay, clearly. so two and three coming out of the bye. They go at San Francisco. Yeah, another team that you don't really know much about this year. A lot of uh, I'll I'll take the Bucks on the road there. Okay, then they come home and they face the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders. Uh, it's supposed to be a team on the come this year. All right, so then they, uh, they're they still at home. They face the Falcons, who they already beat on the road. That's on Thursday night. Uh, you know what? Is the Falcons, I feel like, always stink against the Bucks. So uh, I'll take the Bucks again to sweep the Falcons. Okay, and then they're still home to face the Bears, trying to climb above 500 for the first time this late in the season in a yeah. long time. Um, hopefully John Fox get that Bears defense in, in shape. I'll take the Bears there. Three and three, and you come home with a three-game winning streak, Kyle. But uh, you can only get one of them. So you're four and five, and now your schedule gets a little bit tougher. Uh, you go at Kansas City, week eleven. Yeah, I'll take the Chiefs there, and then you come home to face the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks. All right, and then um, things are starting to spiral out of control. You travel across the country to San Diego. Yeah, San Diego though is kind of a wreck though. I will take the Bucks on the road against the Chargers. All right, then they come home to face the Saints for the first time all year in on December 11th. You know, I'll take the Saints to win that. All right, and then they go at Dallas the next week. What team are we doing now? Bucks. The Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks? Like, how, this just keeps going and going. How many games have they played? Like, good Lord. Uh, this year, the Bucks are playing 16. <laughs> They're at the Cowboys. Just give me a win or a loss. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'll take a loss. All right. And then uh, they're at the Saints the next week on Christmas Eve. Uh, I'll take the Saints. All right. So they sweep Atlanta, but they get swept by the Saints. And then they finish the season at home against your Panthers. The Panthers probably locked up the division, but they might be playing for seeding. Maybe a bye on the line. Yeah, the Panthers sweep them. All right. So, Kyle, uh, a lot of hope in Tampa, but um, your buddy Tony thinks you're going to go 5-11. and 11. How would you react to a 5-11 and 11 season from the Bucks? He scored me one, one lower than I scored myself. I, I, had, I had him at 6-10. and 10. The, only, the only game being the difference is that last game against the Panthers. I think we're going to beat the Panthers because the Panthers are going to be resting starters. So, 
we'll we'll take them out that week when they're when they're you know they've already got the the, the division locked down and everything. So we'll take the Panthers out last week and go six and ten. Oh wow! Okay, I'm a little surprised. I thought that uh, people were higher on the Bucks this year, but um, I'll give you a no. chance. No. <laughs> it's the Bucks, after, man. Come not on. after last year. Yeah, we just fired a Everybody coach. Everybody was high on them last year. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. It's, we're six and ten. Let, let's be real. Okay. All right. Okay. So now let's uh, let's we're gonna keep with you, Kyle, and you're gonna tell us how the Falcons are gonna do it. Okay. So week <laughs> one, they're at home, as you know, against your Bucks. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's easy. I, I picked the Bucks to win that game, so obviously I'll pick the Falcons to lose that game. Okay, and then week two they go at Oakland. Oakland, <clears throat> Oakland's a, a lot better this year. I'm, I'm gonna say, actually, you know what? That's at Oakland. I'll say win. Falcons win. Okay, and then they're at the Saints on Monday Night Football. At the Saints, that'll be a loss. It's tough to beat the, the Saints at Saints. Okay, and then they come home to face Carolina, and that's a loss. All right, then, and, and boy, this schedule gets really tough. Yeah, all it of a sudden. does. At Denver, ooh, that's a loss. At Seattle, and that's a loss. All right, so last year they started six and one. This year they're starting one and five. Eesh. Then they come home to face San Diego. Win. And then they face the Packers the next week at home. And in an upset, they beat the Packers at home. Okay, so three and five, a little momentum. They're good for an now upset, got, right? Yeah. yeah, they have to go at Tampa the next week. I think that I think I had that one. I say we were going to win that, so I'll say I'll say they lose that. I'm sorry. All right, so and then three and six, and then they go at the Eagles before at, the bye. At the Eagles, uh, that'll be a win for them. All right, so four and six going into the bye, and, they, and then they got a tough schedule out of the bye. The first two weeks, they're facing Arizona at home. Let's go with Arizona. All right, and then they face the Chiefs at home the next week. And then they'll beat the Chiefs. Okay, so five and seven, probably out of it, unless they run the table and, and hope for a lot of luck. They go at the Rams in week 14. Let's say, okay, the Rams put in put in Goff, so Goff's not doing that great, and the the you know the, the Falcons are able to beat the Rams. All right, so they're keeping hope alive. They come home to face San Francisco in Week 15. Oh, and they're going to win that. All right, so now they're seven and seven. They think they have some kind of miracle chance at a wild card, but they got to go into Carolina on Christmas Eve, and that's a loss. All right, and then they finish the season at home against their hated Saints, trying to get to 500 again this year, and they'll win. They'll win that. All right, eight and eight, Gavin. What do you think about the Falcons going eight and eight again this year? Uh, eight and eight would be disappointing on one hand. Um, okay. Because and, uh, we should have been ten and six last year. Mike Person cost us two games at the center position with bad snaps. We upgraded to Alex Mack, uh, and so again the team should be better. But again, with the the schedule that we have, statistically the toughest schedule in the NFL, this team may be better and have a worse record to show for it. Uh, my hope is always that we make the playoffs. My hope is always that we have success on the field, have a winning record. Uh, but the reality is 8-8 eight and eight might be a successful season this year. All right, Gavin, uh, I know that you hate the Saints. I think last year you said that if you went 2-14 and 14, but the two wins were against the Saints, you would take it. Is that right? I, I stand by that. That is the All only right, so try and be a little objective here as I have you. Uh, if we sweep the, Saints. the series against the New Orleans Saints, I will be a happy man at the end of Week 17. <laughs> All right, so let's go through this schedule now. And, uh, you know, try and be objective. So week one, they start at home against the Raiders. As much as I like Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, uh, Latavius Murray, the, the culture that they're bringing uh, to the Raiders out there and turning them around, I still think the Saints are probably a better offensive football team, and I don't know that the Raiders will be able to keep up in a shootout. I'm going to pick the Saints to win on their home open. Week two, they go at New York. Uh, last year, obviously, the final in this game was 52-49. to 49. 
So this is going to be another shootout, quite possibly. Yeah, not a lot of defense to be had in this game. Uh, and in a shootout, again, it pains me to say these things, but in a shootout, I'm probably still going to side with Drew Brees and the offense that they have cultivated down there through the years. I'm going to pick the Saints to start 2-0. and All right, so off to, off to a hot 2-0 and start, and then they come home Monday night football against your Falcons. Zero objectivity here. They take a loss. <laughs> but he's being objective, right? Right, Andrew? <laughs> he's still he's still bitter about the sweep last year. All right, okay. A week four, they go at San Diego. Uh, I think that the New Orleans Saints go across the country and get out to a three and one start with a win in San Diego. All right, so that's a real impressive start for the Saints. Then they have an early bye, and then they come out of the bye at home against Carolina. That's another game that was a real high-scoring game last year. I was actually at that game, Carolina at New Orleans. If you're going to beat Carolina, you need a strong defense, something that can slow down the run game so that the passing game doesn't open up for Cam, or you have to be able to put uh, steady pressure on Cam so that he's not comfortable in the pocket. Once once Cam gets flustered, the passes start to sail. He misses wide open receivers. New Orleans doesn't have that. And if you can't slow down what Cam wants to do in the pocket, taking off and running, or the run game that they have, you're in for a very long day. Uh, Carolina takes the win here. All right, yeah, that's the first of six weeks with uh, five real tough games coming out of the bye for New Orleans. So they drop to three and two. Then they have to go at Kansas City the next week. The Chiefs take the win at home. All right, and then the next week they come home, but they're facing Seattle. Tall order here. Uh, the Seahawks hang a third loss in a row on the Saints. All right, and then they're desperately needing a win. They go at San Francisco in week nine. If you need a win in the fo- National Football League this year, the 49ers are the team that you want to play. All right, then they come back home, uh, and they're facing the Super Bowl champions, the Broncos. I, I don't like the quarterback situation for the Broncos right now, but again, just like with Seattle, the defense is what drives this team, and as long as Von Miller's on the field to lead the charge, I think they can do enough to slow New Orleans down. The Broncos take the win. All right, and then on short rest, they're at Carolina on Thursday Night Football. Short rest games against a very good football team, not a good recipe. Uh, I'm going to take Panthers to complete the sweep against the Saints this year. All right, and then they come back home uh, for a couple of games that they really need to win to have any shot at the playoffs. The first one is against the Rams. I like New Orleans to get back on track against the Rams. All right, and can they get to 500 the next week at home against the Lions? They can. Okay, and then they face Tampa for the first time all year. Yeah. All the way uh, in week 14. I don't believe in Jameis Winston. I don't believe in the coaching staff. The Saints beat the Bucs. All right, and then the next week they're at Arizona, so it doesn't get any easier. I know this isn't a very surprising pick, but I do like Arizona to make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC this year. I think Bruce Arians has a great team out there. He's a great coach. I think they finally take a leap forward. Uh, And and I don't think that on the road in Arizona is a place that New Orleans can go expect to win. All right, and then they come home to face Tampa for the second time in 13 days. Sorry, any team that drafts a kicker in the second round after trading up to get him. (laughs) This is a team that's got some issues to address, so I'll I'll take New Orleans in the series sweep here. All right, so they're 8-7. and Maybe they have some kind of chance at the playoffs, depending on tiebreakers. Who knows? Maybe not, but Week 17 at Atlanta... I think I know where this is going. It's the last game in the history of the Georgia Dome. There is no way that I can predict the Falcons to leave their building as a loser. Um, They're going to head into the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're taking the name away from the Superdome. 
Um, <laughs> we, we are taking the Mercedes-Benz title away from them. We will go into that as winners, winning the season finale, but probably missing the playoffs and leaving the Saints at a respectable and I think very objective 8-8. Eight and eight. All right, listen, I, uh, I'm in an NFL wins pool, and I got the Saints with the 30th pick, so the uh, very last pick in the pool. So if they take eight wins, uh, that would be pretty good for me in that pool. I would take it. Drew, so on the one hand, eight and eight would be actually an improvement on the last couple of years. On the other hand, your quarterback is going to be 38 years old right after the season, and it's sort of another lost season of Drew Brees. So how would you feel if they went eight and eight this year? Uh, It would be very disappointing. I mean, I'm preparing myself for that. I think the reality is that that's where they are. But, yeah, I think when you're on borrowed time with Brees, this is the window to kind of compete. And who knows what's on the other side? Uh, once he's gone and so uh, you know I you would love for them to have that final at least a playoff run get in the postseason and see what happens Um, so yeah I I would be disappointed for sure all right so as I said the reason that we had people pick other people's teams this year is because last year collectively our league was like 180 games over 500 it was sort of out of control Uh, so I'm very excited because with 31 teams in the book right now our NFL is exactly 500 so if uh, if the Carolina Panthers are you if you pick them to go eight and eight, then we got our league exactly at five hundred. Uh, if you pick them to win any more than that, then uh, we got to go back and look at some of the other people's picks and and figure out where to find a couple of uh, losses to squeeze out of there. And I'm not sure that the Panthers are going to go eight and eight, but Andrew, it's uh, I'm, it's up to you to make that decision. So uh, week one, of course, three days from now, the season opener, as it always is, we have the uh, Super Bowl rematch in Denver. Broncos get their rings. Trevor Simeon under center. Carolina wants revenge. What happens? Well, I almost don't think it matters who's playing quarterback for the Broncos, especially opening night at home, uh, the buzz that's going to be going at that place. I mean, you saw what that defense did to Cam Newton in the Super Bowl, and uh, I, I just think they are so good on that side of the ball. Uh, they're, they're able to take away his best strengths, and he's not able to beat them uh, consistently throwing the football with that kind of pressure. So um, I, I, I picked the Broncos. All right, so last year their first loss was in week 16. Uh, this year they start the season with a loss, and then they come home and face San Francisco in week two. Easy win. And then in week three they face the Vikings. Should be a good game. Yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings are kind of an enigma team. We're not really sure if that's like the kind of team that could maybe make a postseason run or if they finish 5-11. and 11. Um, But I, I think the Panthers are too strong for them. All right. Uh, week four they go at Atlanta. Those games are always weird. Um, and That's the one they lost last year, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Carolina to win this game, but it's going to take two-minute drill theatrics from Newton in, in, in the end to win it. All right, and then uh, Monday Night Football, they face the Bucks the next week. Easy win. All right, and then they go into New Orleans again to uh Yeah, I mean, I, I feel lame p- picking the Saints to be the ones that beat them, uh, but it is in New Orleans, and I think, I think it's going to be hard for the Panthers to go three straight weeks against division opponents, two of them on the road, um, you know, to sweep those, that three-game stretch is going to be tough. So I'll, I'll pick the Saints to win that one. All right, so they're coming out of the bye at 4-2, and two, and they have a huge game against Arizona. Yeah, I mean, uh, man, I, I think Arizona, you know, th- that loss that they had um, in the playoffs, I mean, that just leaves scars. And I think they'll be hungry to come out and prove that they're the best NFC team on the road. Um, so I'm going to pick a surprise upset here, Cardinals. All right, so the Panthers drop to four and three, and then they go at Los Angeles the next week. I, I think at four and three, that will kind of be the moment where they say to themselves, 
you know what? We, we need to prove we're a Super Bowl team, and they're going to go on a run here. I think they kill the Rams. All right, and then they come home to face Kansas City. I think that's another win. All right, and then they uh, are, are three days later at home against the Saints. I think that's a win. All right, and then they go at Oakland. Easy win. Okay, so now they're all of a sudden they're 8-3, and three, and then they're at Seattle on Sunday Night Football. That's yeah, so that's game. a weird travel thing. They have to go to the West Coast to play the Raiders. I'm assuming they would come back to Carolina, although they, they might stay out on the West Coast, and then they have to go back to Seattle. That's a brutal travel stretch. Um, Tony, have you spoken with Riverboat Ron about their travel itinerary that week over Thanksgiving? Yeah, I have not, um, <laughs> but I'm sure that he has it well under control. Uh, I'm going to pick right. the Seahawks. All right, so they're 8-4, and four, but uh, they've lost to Arizona and Seattle, so uh, you know there might be a, a tiebreaker coming into play later in the season, in the postseason. All right, and then um, they're back home to face San Diego in Week 14. Yeah, um, win. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and then they're at Washington on Monday Night Football. That's a win. All right, and then they're at home against Atlanta. Win. All right, eleven and four, and they end the season in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I think they're going to lose that because I think they'll have won the division and secured a bye. And yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, so I'll take eleven it. and five. Eleven and five is going to get a bye over you know the yeah, Packers, Vikings, winner, don't think, and I, I the think, Arizona I think, Seattle winner. I think Arizona will be too strong, and I think everyone else is going to kind of be mediocre. I think. Yeah. Y'all are giving Arizona way too much love. Probably we are, man. yeah, it's true. I mean, at the same, I mean, they've got to prove that more than there's more than just talent on the roster, and that Carson Palmer is not going to fold under pressure, and that's all he's ever done. Look, Tony, it's between giving the Cardinals love and between giving the Panthers love, so I'll take the Cardinals. Okay, all right, well... uh I was at that NFC Championship game. We just so stomped them. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Akiva, there we have it. We have all uh, 32 teams in the books, and our league collectively is only six games over 500. So, a dramatic improvement over last year. Wow. We shamed people last year, but 31 team in the books. How? Who? Who gave the picks for the Redskins? Oh yeah, you fell asleep during that podcast. What happened? We had our, we had our other fans do it. We had the Cowboys. I think it was Shamir actually did it. I think our Eagles. Oh okay. Picked, uh, what does that mean? Washington. I fell asleep during the podcast. Well, we were recording at 5 in the morning your time, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. But... <laughs> we'll start with you, Kyle. Who sure. is the player, or, or what is the thing on this Tampa team as you watch them in 2016 that's going to make you uh, drop the most F-bombs as you watch? Uh, uh, drop the most F-bombs. Probably. Who, who, who do you hate the most on this team, basically? Who do I hate the most on this team? That's a great question, man. I wasn't expecting this. Probably who do you hate the least? Evans, <laughs> yeah, probably Winston. Well, I do. I, well, I have a lot of hate for Winston, but for off the field reasons, Evan Smith maybe for what, the the offensive lineman, perhaps. God, um, good question. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. I have it. Okay, I got it. Chris Conte. Uh, yeah, by far gonna make gonna make me drop the most f bombs. He already has. It's been the preseason, and and I'm like, what are you doing out there? What are you doing? And so yeah, all season with this guy, he's gonna they're, they're gonna be dropping dimes on him all day. Uh, he's gonna be have his, he's gonna have his back turned to the camera when he's running after def- or uh, uh, wide receivers to, uh, to the end zone. Yeah, uh, Chris Conte. <laughs> all right, Gavin. What about you? Same question. Well, Kyle Shanahan's not a player, so I don't feel like he's eligible for an answer here. Well, if he's the guy that you hate the most, uh, then make a Shanahan. That's fine. He's he's the guy that I trust the least. But on the actual field, 
Um, it's most likely going to be one of our linebackers because that is absolutely where we are the weakest on defense. I don't think it'll be Beasley, but there's a good chance that one of the two rookies, Deion Jones or Devondre Campbell, or Paul Warlow and his inability to wrap up solo or Sean Weatherspoon and his old fragile self. I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of these guys that makes me punch a wall and scream at the television more than anybody else. Especially now that Mike Person has been solidly relegated to third string center. Tony, uh, what about you? Or is it is it all roses with a 15-1 team? Nah, it's 50-50. Uh, that's what we call Ted Ginn Jr. Anytime, uh, look, is any streaking down the sideline and drops the ball right in his breadbasket. Oh, uh, yep. Um, I mean, he had 10 touchdowns last year. He left 10 on the field. Every, I mean, every time the guy gets past 20 yards, he get, he, he would have had 10 touchdowns against Brandon Browner exclusively. If he yeah. Uh, if every time he gets past 20 yards, he, tar- he gets little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. Other, until the last game last year when Revis was injured and he got destroyed all game by Sammy Watkins. Ginn is actually the only guy ever to get 100 yards against Revis. It's possible during the Bucks year, some uh, Vincent Jackson did. Uh, Man, so, if he would have caught did. the other ball, he would have had 200 probably. I yeah. mean, the guy, it, he's stone hands, and it's been this whole story of his whole career, and Man, if he could catch the deep ball. Look, a guy with that speed, you would think that that's the, that's the one attribute he needs to be able to catch the deep ball, but he just struggles. And now it's to the point where uh, it's in the air and you can see the, the nervousness take over. <laughs> Andrew, back to you. Um, I would say, I mean, can I say the offensive line? Am I allowed to say yeah. the unit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you I, that I, whole I, unit? Yeah. Yeah, I hate that whole unit. And I think, you know, Breeze is 37 and. They're going to get him hurt, and I'm not sure the Saints. The Saints will be lucky to win a game if if Breeze is out. So um, I'm going to now. I would say Jarris Bird. Uh, he there's going to be a lot of f bombs in week two when he gets injured, but then I'll forget about him. Um, so I'll, I'll go with the offensive line. So you don't have a lot of faith. Who is it? Luke McCown still their backup? I mean, he's okay. It's just it's it's not so much. It's not so much that he's incompetent. I think Luke McCown is a good backup. It's that you need exceptional play at quarterback. Anything less than that for the Saints will not equate to a win. Okay. All right, so guys, thank you so much for joining us again. Our, our final uh, four teams, our final division, the NFC South. Uh, we have Gavin Napier again for the Falcons. Gavin's on Twitter at Gavin Napier TCH, and he you can also read about him on BealStreetBears.com, all about the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Kyle, you're at uh, Kyle Woe TB. That's Kyle W-O-T-B. And, yes, of sir. course, uh, can also uh, listen to you on Word of the Bay podcast, which is WOTB podcast on Twitter. That's it. Andrew, your uh, your name Andrew Juge. That's J U G E, or just go to thesaintsnation.com. And Tony, you're at carolinacatchronicles.com. You guys have the C3 podcast every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on YouTube or iTunes, and you're on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, uh, Akiva, we're done. 32 up, 32 down. That was so fun. Let's do it again next year. But last year we did 32 podcasts, and this year we did eight, and we're just going to cut it by four again. We'll do two podcasts, one NFC, <laughs> one AFC, 16 teams apiece. I'm being serious. I think that'll be good. It'll be good. The three-hour podcast. Just wait there. No, people wait there. This was like three Just hours. call me it, at 11.30 it'll take, then. It'll take three hours to get the technology of the people connected. We'll do it one at a time. Whoever's patched All right, guys. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll speak to you, uh, well, maybe earlier the next year, depending on how your team does. We might have to bring you back. Later.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.